Our scripture this morning is actually in two parts. We have an Old Testament passage and a new. They show the beautiful relationship between the command of the Old Testament and the fulfillment of Christ in the new. I invite you to begin by hearing these words from the fifth chapter of Deuteronomy. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox or your donkey or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and your female servants may rest as you may rest. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And now here from the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark, the ways in which Jesus responds to that command. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? But Jesus answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Albatar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions who were in need. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, amen. Pray with me. Gracious and holy God, Help us to receive your word today. Touch our hearts and our minds to be with you. May we totally surrender ourselves over to you today, O oh God. Let it be your day. May the meditations of my heart and words of my mouth, O oh Lord and Savior, be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been in this sermon series entitled Running on Fumes, and we've been talking about the busyness of our lives. And the last couple of weeks, we talked about how we need to recognize that and how we need to refuel ourselves. And I shared with you that it's difficult for me to stop. Anybody here with me? I, I think there are a few. Um, I think... We've been hearing a lot from our congregations. We actually, you know, Salem has four different worshiping congregations. We have 8.30, 9.30, 10.45, and 10.30 over at the Connection. And each one of these congregations are unique, but yet we're all one church. And each one of these congregations has been saying to me how this series has really resonated with them that they don't realize how busy life is sometimes. We just kind of get into that and move into that in, in a way that we get comfortable with the busyness. Amen? And so um, this is making us take a step back and a look within ourselves. And it's hard to admit that we have needs, isn't it? 
In fact, society kind of glosses over that and says that we really shouldn't have needs, that we just need to push and keep going. In fact, it's actually seen as a weakness to have needs. And that shows you how far off track we have gotten. Right, church? How far off track we've gotten. Well, how many of you remember the comedian Jeff Foxworthy? who coined the phrase, you might be a redneck if, right? Well, I found something this week that I thought that we might have a little fun with and um, it might resonate with us. It's called, you might be a workaholic if. And so here it is. If it frustrates you that they don't allow laptops on Ferris wheels, (laughs) you might be a workaholic. If you're looking forward to the Christmas this year because you've decided to take that part of the day off, (laughs) you might be a workaholic. If you promised your spouse, this is the only Sunday I'm going to work more than 10 times this year, you might be a workaholic. If you bring your spreadsheets to your son's football game, you might be a workaholic. And this last one, if you don't drink any beverages during the day because you'll lose time having to go to the bathroom, (laughs) you might be a workaholic. I really resonated with this last one (laughs) because it reminded me, it gave me some flashbacks from traveling home from Texas. Uh, You see, when Joe and I lived in Texas and we would drive home to Southern Illinois, it was a 12-hour drive no matter how you looked at it, but Joe always tried to make it less. (laughs) He did not want to stop. In fact, he would pride himself if he got home in less than 12 hours, but that would mean that someone in the car was probably suffering a bit. And so we would drive at night because the girls were asleep and he would be able to stop less along the road and uh, but he still would have to stop he still would have to stop he had to refuel the car and we needed that stop we needed to be able to kind of stretch our legs maybe get a little beverage breathe in some fresh air walk around so that we would be renewed for the rest of the journey home. We tried to do that uh, five or six hours in between, and then I knew that was my last stop, church. I knew that I wasn't going to get another stop before we got home. Stopping sometimes is difficult. It just is. But rest stops renew us, and rest stops are essential along the journey. They just are. Did you know, maybe you don't know this, according to federal policy that was set in 1958, about every half hour of driving you will find some kind of stop. And that might be a a state um, funded rest stop, it might be a city exit, it might include a commercial rest stop or something like that. But every 30 miles or so, or 30 minutes or so, there's a break. And that's for safety, right? Because we all know that we get tired. And when we get tired, then we get distracted. And so that that safety was a part of it. We have to stop. We have to. Repeat this after me, please, church. 
We have to stop in order to renew. Did you hear yourself? Did you hear yourself? We have to stop in order to renew. From the very beginning of time, God created renewal into our existence by designing a rest stop that we call the Sabbath, a day set apart. The heavens and the earth and all who live in them were completed, and on the sixth day, God completed all that work that he had done, and on the seventh day, he did what? He rested from all the work he had done, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all the work of creation. God even stopped, church. God even stopped. Did God have to stop? Probably not. God's God. God is omnipotent. In the, in the, in the uh, Psalms it says he never slumbers nor sleeps, right? But he showed us the pattern for holy living. The pattern for this Sabbath rest. You know, there are principles so important that God placed them in what I call the big ten. And Pastor Deb read to you the fourth commandment there, that we are to take the Sabbath and make it holy. That's part of the top, uh, the part, the top half, and then the bottom half is about our relationship with each other. The top half is about our relationship with God. That we are to have a Relationships with God and relationships with each other. Keep the Sabbath day and treat it as holy, set apart. Exodus uses a word consecrated. Remember the day of the Sabbath to consecrate it. To consecrate it. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the seventh day and consecrated, set it apart, make it holy, that it is a a day created for rest. A day created, dedicated to surrender ourselves over to God. To surrender ourselves. To surrender our busyness. To surrender our, the way that we think things can do. Because what God is saying is that we are to surrender to God because we are not God. God is God and we are not Rest is so important, so, so very important, physically. Let's go with the physical part first. The day of rest renews our ability to think. Did you know that there are links to um, the lack of rest and lack of sleep to Alzheimer's? My, my mother has um, some dementia that is kind of progressing a little bit faster now. And my mom has never really slept well. And so I asked her the other day, I said, Mom, are you getting enough rest? Are you getting sleep? And she told me, oh, yeah, here, there. And my dad's looking over like, he's giving me the sign like, mm, no, that's not happening. You see, there are links to that, that lack of rest and lack of sleep. And you know this because if you're like I am, when you're tired and you're running on fumes, you can't think of the word that that is, right? Or you can't finish a sentence or you can't remember the name of someone you've known your entire life. Anybody there besides me or am I getting dementia? 
Anybody there there? Okay, so that's that kind of, when you're tired, your brain is not functioning in the way that God designed it to function. In my preparation this week, I read that there was a doctor in Switzerland by the name of Hegler who conducted, conducted some research on the oxygen levels in the blood. And um, he discovered that more oxygen was lost in a day's work than was recovered in a night's sleep. So he continued his re research and he discovered that one day's rest out of every seven was just enough to restore the proper amount of oxygen to the body. Isn't that interesting? It was just enough. God put this in place for our physical rest, our structure, our schedule, our routine, so that we could be the best that God had created us to be. God also put it in place for our emotional being. I don't know about you, but the news today kind of drains me. You can be the toughest Marine in the Corps, or you can be the most dedicated of teachers. I see some teachers out here. But you still become emotionally drained at times, right? There's just so much we can hear, so much pain in the world that we can take before it starts to drain us in a way that we need to hear some joy. We need to hear some of those things going on in our lives. And we have to take a break from that. We need an emotional break from work. We need an emotional break from stress. We need an emotional break from pressure so that we can be renewed in our minds. You know, Paul had something to say about that. The Apostle Paul said to the church in Rome that we must find this balance in our life so that we can be renewed and that we can discern what God is placing before us, that we can discern what God's call is or what the direction that God is giving us in. So he says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. So you can figure out what God's will is in your life. And sometimes you have to step back, right? You have to step back away and kind of get some perspective decompress. I've experienced some temper tantrums in my life. I've thrown a few of them. But have you ever noticed what happens when a toddler throws a temper tantrum? What, what really is going on here? They're usually exhausted, aren't they? They're usually exhausted, they're tired, and they need a nap. Well, that's the same for adults, church. Sometimes we just need a nap. Sometimes we just need to step back away and decompress. I had a friend who always said, the problem is never the problem. There's always something underlying in that that is causing the reaction, that's causing the, the spark to hit that and kaboom, right? The problem's never really the problem. Sometimes, sometimes we have to decompress, we have to step back and get perspective. We have to renew our minds 
So when God sanctified the seventh day, the day of rest, and set it apart and made it holy, he didn't do this just for our physical well-being. He didn't do it just for our emotional well-being, but he also did it for our soul, for our spiritual well-being. The Old Testament teaches this emphasis on the Shabbat. This was what set the people apart the people of Israel would carve away time and just it would be about God and God only, that they would worship together as the community. No work was to be done on that day that they were gathered together in celebration and worship of God. And this set them apart from all the other people in the land. It was a day to turn over everything to God. You know, I don't know if you realize this, but the expression weekend is really something that Christians actually don't believe in. We don't believe in the weekend. When you're going, oh, now, preacher, you're really getting, <laughs> you're stepping on my toes now. Working for the weekend. That's what I've heard a lot of times from people. I'm working for the weekend. Well, the culture in which we live in today sees the weekend as what? Saturday and Sunday. But actually, the weekend is on Saturday for Christians. For those who follow Christ, the weekend is Saturday. That's the end of the week. That is the period on the week. Because Sunday is the first day. The first day given over to God. The first day that is our Sabbath. And, you know, and that's why it's so important for us to observe the Sabbath in renewing our relationship with God because just as the Bible teaches us that we ought to give God the first dime of every dollar, that we ought to give God the first hour of every day, God also teaches us that we should give our first day for the rest of the week to God. The giving of our first fruits. Because when we put God first, church, that puts everything right. That puts everything in order. We are to give God our first fruits, not our leftovers. When God is first, our hearts are ready to receive the renewal of the Holy Spirit, ready to do the work that God has put before us. And God's put some work before us, hasn't he? All you have to do is look around the community and you know the work that is there. Yesterday I got to be snow white. It was fun. Holly Jo walked into the house and I was all in my snow white costume and she walked in and said, whoa. <laughs> I, I, she said, I assume you're going somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I just dress up like this and walk around the house. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun to be in the community and, and be a part of um, sharing God's love with the little kids. To let the little children come unto me. Didn't that, isn't that what Jesus said? Let the little children come unto me. And LifeWise is doing so much work. See, I'm not getting another $10 check, right? LifeWise is doing so much work in the community. 
And partnering with LifeWise is such an important part of who Salem is because LifeWise is really trying to, to break that pattern of poverty. And our conference is a part of that as well. Our, the Missouri Annual Conference is really jumping on board with the pathway out of poverty. And so there's work to be done, church. Work, great work. But we have to be rested and we have to have God first in our life to be able to recognize it. You know, I dare say there is no one in this room who would ever, ever intentionally let a child starve, right? I look around this room and there would be people who would just go out of their way to be able to provide food for a child or, or education for a child. But when we're too busy and too tired, sometimes we don't notice it, right? God's saying this day, this Sabbath day is a day to surrender, a day, to, a day set apart to make it about a relationship between God and God's children to remind us that we're not God, that God is God. The psalmist says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. The joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. The spirit of the law was for our betterment church. See, that's what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees had started this thing where they had been checking off the boxes to work toward God. All the laws, they had lost the spirit of the law and they were just going by the letter of the law, checking off the boxes. This is what I got to do to get to God. In fact, there had there'd been more and more and more laws added and so there was no way a Jewish person could ever work and check, up, check off all the boxes to get to God. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to show us who we can become. Jesus showed us the spirit of the law, the spirit of God's love for each and every one of us. And he did all the work on the cross for us. No longer working toward our salvation. No more working to try to check off the boxes to get to God. Jesus says, I'm all you need to get to God. All the work's been done for you on the cross. And, you know, as the Pharisees are yammering at Jesus about picking the, the wheat and reaping the wheat off that day, Jesus is basically saying, you're missing the point, guys. You're missing the point. It's the spirit of the law. The Sabbath wasn't created for God. It was created for us. Because it is that relationship with God. God wanted us to have love and have rest and, and to have those relationships where we can Work in the spirit of what he intends, right? He wants our betterment. He didn't just put those laws in there just because. 
He wants the best for us. The Sabbath is the loving voice of a caring, caring parent instructing, <laughs> instructing for the wisdom of life. I bet every one of you has looked at your child or your grandchild or your niece or your nephew and said, let me give you a little wisdom about life, right? And they've either received it or not received it, you know. Sometimes they have to receive it from somebody else besides a family member, amen? That's where the church community comes in. And so the law has put the spirit of the law and the Sabbath has, has been this way of us being able to be in that relationship with God that he wants this, the best life possible for us the best life possible for us. And in order for us to have that, we do have to stop. We do have to rest. And we have to be renewed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. My prayer for you is that for the rest of your journey, today was a rest stop. It was about God. And how God has placed this before you as a gift. A pure gift. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we surrender all to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the gift that you have given us. In the love of Jesus Christ on the cross. Thank you for renewing us in the way that you call us to. And we give you thanks and we give you praise because you are Lord and you are Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.